0: This trip report is brought to you by River Company Outfitters. We are offering a 10% discount on our online store. Please use the code SALMON. And now for this week's episode. Hey, welcome to another episode of My Favorite River with River Company Outfitters. We have an extremely special guest today, Allie Rood. And we are discussing Float to Ski, her documentary following her and fellow raft guides as they paddle down the middle fork of the salmon at the end of winter to try and ski the slopes on that section of the salmon. Allie is joining us all from all the way down in New Zealand, so we really appreciate you joining us today. How's everything going down there? It's uh, still summer, right?
1: Yeah, summer. Um, yeah, it's been extremely hot this week, um, like 30 degrees Celsius weather. It's like 90 degrees, um, which is warm for New Zealand. So, yeah been enjoying that.
0: Awesome. And, uh, I assume you've been getting out in the rivers and stuff like that out there.
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, primarily actually been into pack rafting since living here. Um, but yeah, I've actually been on the river the last two weekends. So
0: awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I hope to, you know, dive into that a little deeper after we talk about the uh, float ski, but, um, just to jump in there, uh, how long have you been rafting, kayaking, into uh water outdoor sports
1: yeah um i so i grew up in vermont actually on the mad river um and as a kid we definitely did run the river kind of just in a canoe um so i was used to doing kind of flat water stuff on that river when it's not flooding it's pretty mellow in the kind of the stretch that flows through town Um, but then I've had like a distinct memory watching there was a triathlon, I think they still do it. Um, that includes running the whitewater stretch. And I remember seeing that and it was at high water. It was freezing because it's in the spring. Everyone was in dry suits and I just was so enamored and just, I wanted to figure out how to get into it, but I didn't, I didn't really know how to get into it. And then my senior year of high school, I had a um, English teacher. Sam Jackson Jackson who um yeah did like a little intro whitewater course for us so we just kind of like learned about wet exiting and tea rescues a little bit it was pretty mellow but um yeah we ran the river and then yeah from there I was kind of just fully dove in did it did kayak a lot in college um out on the I went to college in Walla Walla Washington so yeah did a bunch of kind of um yeah got into it out there and um and then I actually got into rafting raft guiding on the middle fork which is what this documentary is about um but that was kind of got into that probably when I was about 23 yeah
0: awesome cool and how many years were you out on the middle fork
1: I did I did four seasons for Mackie Wilderness River Trips, the company I worked for. Um, they have a permit on the Middle Fork and the salmon, the main salmon. Um, so, yeah, I, I probably, I've probably run the Middle Fork 20 times, something like that. Um, so, yeah, maybe a collective of two full seasons on the Middle Fork.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, as everyone else who's, hopefully listening to this applies for their permits and praise that they, they get their first trip down the uh, the middle fork. So that's, that's really cool that you got to do it uh, 20 times.
1: I had a friend who grew up in sun Valley, Idaho, and he was a guide on the middle fork. And my first trip was just a private trip at the end of their guiding season. Um, and I kayaked in my hard shell. I was with all the other rafters and I was the only kayaker. Um, and yeah, for anyone that hasn't heard of the Middle Fork or is trying to get on it, it's, it is a really magical river. Um, and it was kind of one of those experiences where I was like, I'm gonna do everything I can to be a guide on that river. Um, and so the next season, yeah, that's when I did a raft guiding, like a uh, water rescue course um, when I was still living in Colorado. And then just basically packed up and, and moved there and, and uh, luckily did end up getting on the middle fork by the end of the season getting getting my license so yeah it was pretty pretty cool
0: that that's awesome uh, that's a really cool river I've just watched a million videos but is is that where this idea for float to ski came from is it was it with you know a bunch of other river guides from that company and you're just people you met up there or uh, is that how you guys came up with the idea to to go float a river and with the intentions of skiing down the mountains
1: yeah definitely when um we've, we've kind of written about it a bit but when you are floating down that river it's if you're a skier it's hard not to think about skiing because what's crazy about the river is it starts so high up and actually i should fact check but it's it starts at the elevation of stanley idaho um and the river descends three thousand meters I'm, pretty sure over the course of 100 miles but you basically start in the alpine and you end in the desert so um yeah it's there's tons and tons of snow there in the winter what you would imagine you you kind of float down and you see all of these um avalanche paths that have left debris and obviously by the time it's summer they've melted out but you what you see is the, the remaining broken trees. And you're, you're kind of looking back up and thinking like, wow, you could, I'm pretty sure you could actually just ski straight down to the river. So yeah, it was kind of years of, of dreaming about it and thinking like, Oh, that would be crazy. And there was a crew, um, what is his name? Um, Griffin post and his buddy drew, um, pro skiers from, Sun Valley actually did do the mission um so yeah it was a bit of those one of those things where I was kind of thinking wouldn't that be cool and then someone was like oh these guys have actually done it chatted with them and they were like yeah it was pretty brutal because they had some intense weather (laughs) um but yeah ultimately we kind of probably would have been six or seven years later (laughs) that we finally actually um got up there and and did it
0: yeah, that, that, that was going to be my next question was, how, when did you guys actually like get on and off the river? Because it seems like you kind of timed it perfectly with the end of winter at the beginning of the video. It's, it's snowy and then by the time you guys are getting off of it, it seems like there's maybe the first warm of the, the summer spring coming to Idaho.
1: Yeah, it was pretty incredible. Um, I think there were a lot of what-ifs going into this. Like, this was probably your your straight-up classic adventure um, that you hope about. But the thing about adventure is there are the unknowns, and there is the potential for things to go really wrong. Um, so, yeah, when we first got to Stanley, the, the big kind of... Um, decision that last minute decision that we had to to make was that we were originally going to snowmobile all of our stuff into Boundary Creek. So that's the normal put in when you get a permit to do the Middle Fork. Generally you drive in Boundary Creek, which is 20 miles or so on this backcountry road. Um, So in the wintertime they don't plow it and it's a full snowmobile only snowmobile access, Um, which is generally okay if, especially if it's cold, but you obviously know how heavy <laughs> raft gear is. And, and then on top of that, adding ski gear, it was just it's, it's a logistical nightmare a little bit. Um, and there's actually a crew with a lot of good ideas when it's kind of in the air, there's other people that are doing it too. So there was another crew that had done this same mission um, with NRS, like two weeks prior. Um, they weren't raft guides, though. I don't know bit of a different story they did also make a video um but they did snowmobile their stuff in and yeah we we actually decided since the water had gone up that we were just gonna put on right off the highway um and run marsh creek which none of us had run before and yeah there were a number of reasons we made that decision but mostly just because we kind of were like well we're all experienced raft guides or rafters river runners we're not really experienced snowmobilers. We don't have the like a correct snowmobiles. Anyway, we'd be relying on friends. And so we were like, well, screw it. Let's just run Marsh Creek, which is, yeah, that's the standard kind of spring, um, spring thing is you, you know, with the, with the runoff that river can rise enough, but yeah, not knowing what was down Marsh Creek, because none of us had run it. It was definitely, yeah, a little bit, a little bit freaky, and um, so I was uh, actually, I ended up, I filmed it out of my hard shell just to be a bit more kind of um, nimble, and there were two other safety boaters, so the three of us, the day before we were supposed to launch, um, in a full-blown blizzard, actually ran Marsh Creek to do a scout run of it, because um, you, you could, yeah, I mean, we ran it in a day, and it was so shallow, like, the whole time going down. A, my hands were freezing. It was snowing really hard. And I was just like, wow, this is gonna be, yeah, we're gonna do this, but it's gonna be a bit of a suffer fest. Um <clears throat> and like, yeah, we'd heard maybe there was a snow bridge, you know, where the snow hadn't fully melted across the river, which I was a little bit freaked out about. We heard there was wood. So yeah, we we scouted it. By the end of that day, it actually like skies opened up and it was a beautiful day and it was it ended up being really fun and then so we had snowmobilers some of the crew meet us at marsh or sorry at boundary creek we snowmobiled out and yeah we launched the next day and it was pretty decent weather and it was pretty much for the duration of our trip we had a full weather window it was like beautiful beautiful blue skies um we didn't get a lick of precipitation and yeah by the end so once basically we launched we probably only were able to ski the top 40, um, miles of that river. And then by the time we were running out the bottom, it was like full blown high water boating. Like we got to run all of the bigger rapids kind of at the optimum flow. Um, so yeah, we were all kind of like looking at each other. By the time we got to the boat ramp, like we absolutely nailed it. Like there's a high probability if we did the trip again, it would be like 10 degrees and, snowing and raining the whole time so yeah we definitely lucked out
0: yeah the uh the thing that caught my eye about y'all's video is is your like your boat launch at uh marsh creek where you just i don't know if they're like 16 or 18 whatever 14 foot boats that you guys have they're just sliding down the hill like a sled into the river and i was like oh my gosh i have to watch this whole video now i don't know what it's going on but it was uh it was a boat launch like I've never seen before uh on the snow
1: Uh, (laughs) yeah that it was pretty much like a kid's dream come true like I feel like when you dream about things kind of as ludicrous as like floating to ski a river for instance which we always kind of like couldn't quite figure out what the title of the movie should be and we kind of just went with the obvious because yeah we 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 floated to ski um and, you know, that's another really cool thing is that, you know, the middle fork and floating the river is probably the only real viable access into that Frank Church River of No Return wilderness area, which is a really special kind of um, piece of land that, um, that was set aside in the 80s. Um, and I, I think it's they say it's the largest contiguous um, w- uh, wilderness area in the lower 48 so like outside of Alaska it's it's kind of the biggest swath of land that you can kind of get into but really remote like kind of New Zealand style remote and um yeah so running the river is the only real way and I I just think yeah getting sorry getting back to the boat launch like it ended up being the highlight of our trip we were like we couldn't imagine having done the expedition we did without floating Marsh Creek because that was where we actually got to ski you know that's in the scene where we camped um on the snow it was the only kind of part of the trip where we actually camped on the snow and, and actually you know launched our boat from snow into the water and like camped and skinned from camp up skied skied back to the boats kind of thing so yeah it was so cool like blowing the boats up we were kind of hastily getting everything together on the side of the road obviously it's a bit um of a of a traffic hazard and then um yeah and then that first boat we launched thinking like oh yeah it'll just who knows how far it's gonna go but I figured it wouldn't and it just like jetted straight down went straight into the river <laughs> The guys were like had their dry suits half up kind of thing and yeah it was at that moment we were like okay yep i think this is gonna be a pretty good adventure and you'll see the footage is kind of jolty because like, I n- neither me or um, the other filmmaker, uh, Little Greg is what they call him, LG. Um, neither of us were like even ready. Like we were like, oh, well, it's going all the way. And then none of the other boats went all the way. So yeah, it was pretty great.
0: Uh, I noticed it was, you were, I, I think you were sponsored by air. It looked like, you know, they were all air boats. Was um, was the number of? I think it was three boats. And and how big were they? And did air kind of hook you up with those to let you borrow those for the week? Um, and what other gear? Like, and how many people were you know on each raft? It looked like there was two or three. Uh, so I don't know, twelve. Yeah. People.
1: The crew was. I've got to count it. Yeah. Like I I should know this, but, um, basically we had three boats. We had one with two 16 footers and a 14 footer. I'm pretty sure. Um, and actually the company that we all work for Mackie wilderness river trips, um, I don't work for them anymore, but yeah, some of those guys are still guides for those guys. Um, they're, they've got a relationship with air. So the, the main thing about running this river, um, Yeah. Well, I guess I can chat about that later, but yeah. So basically air just lent us the boats. It was, it was pretty great. Um, And one of the boats was actually one of the, the owners of the raft company and yeah. So like love that raft company. Those guys are awesome. They're out of Boise, right? Is that um, yeah. And um, yeah. Like the thing about it is we dragged our boats. Marsh Creek was like probably a half getting out of the boat and dragging it sort of situation like martin at one point in the movie said it's full body boating because that's what they kept saying it was just like um yeah yeah um yeah and the the main saying kind of on our way down was like you know like not doing great but doing all right (laughs) like it was definitely type type two boating in a lot of ways um but yeah there were three of us that were safety boaters in our hard shells and then we had three rafts, each had two people in them. So the main kind of main raft guides, Mally and Martin were kind of co-captaining their 14 foot boat. Um, And then we had Mike and um, Mason were the two other kind of raft guides, not skiers. So those guys didn't even really ski with us. Um, And then we had LG was on one of the boats filming. And we also had Mary McIntyre, who was the photographer um, on Mason's boat. So yeah, pretty good crew and like super, super dialed boatmen. Um, you know, yeah. If, if you've run the middle fork as many times as those guys have run it, like it, it was pretty cool for them to experience marsh. Cause it was a, a different, a new experience on a river that they know so well. Um, but man, they've got, yeah, they've got that low, bo- low water boating skills kind of on lockdown. So it was, it was really impressive boatmanship.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I, I love air. We, we, my dad got one when I was like seven and so it's about, it's on its 25th summer of rafting uh, and only minor repairs. So uh, yeah. Awesome boat. Um,
1: yeah. Shout out to those guys. Cause yeah, it's definitely the, the preferred boat preferred raft for me.
0: Yeah. Um, Was there any gear that you, you know, three days in, you were like, you know, it'd be really cool if I had this or, you know, if for some reason I ever decide to float and ski again, I will definitely bring this item. Was there like some, you know, go-to item that you were like, dang it, I should have brought this.
1: Yeah, to be honest, it was um, shorts and (laughs) flip-flops. I I think Mally and I specifically like the guys that all brought their shorts. So they like, by the time we got to our second day camp, it was so hot that everyone had like ripped their dry suits off and they're all just like in their shorts. And I was like, wow, I didn't bring, like I had sneakers was probably the lightest thing and, and some like pants I didn't even have. Yeah. So I just, That was probably my biggest regret but the thing is like can't really complain about that because that was just weather related like I was preparing for the worst and I was expecting to be wet and cold I was I was expecting to sleep in my dry suit I was like yeah it's gonna be freezing um so yeah aside from that I don't what else would I I felt pretty dialed I mean it was the transitions between rafting and skiing were pretty brutal they're extremely time consuming I mean like you know a lot of rafting because on the middle fork for the most part you're using ore rigs um and strapping all the gear down and so like yeah anyone who's been on a trip kind of knows that that's kind of part of the part of the thing is just packing and unpacking is is you know you you get into the rhythm especially in, if you're on the grand canyon or something you know you're fully dialed by 14th day but um yeah i think maybe working on the transition time and figuring out a better kind of, I don't know, packing situation so that, because there were a few times when we ended up floating past like pretty epic ski zones, but it was kind of just a a time thing. We were kind of like, ah, just, you know, so yeah, that was probably the hardest part was, um, was floating by all these epic ski zones and thinking like, well, we'll just have to come back. But like, chances of coming back and doing this, not sure. Yeah. Not sure when the next time will be.
0: <laughs> um, that leads to, I, I don't know anything about skiing. I'm from Georgia and I don't even think I've seen enough snow to ski, but um, how was that? Was, was the skiing, you know, was it pretty good? Was there still enough snow at least those first couple of days that you got a chance to, to run some stuff?
1: Yeah, um, it was definitely full-blown spring conditions. So it means kind of the snow has started going through a melt-freeze cycle. Um, So kind of earlier in the season, you'll get the fresh snow and that's lighter powder conditions is kind of ideal. Um, But for generally for kind of remote backcountry ski missions, you you prefer actually this melt-freeze snow, which is, it's just wet better, it's much more bonded, um, less avalanche danger, um, though still definitely always a concern. Um, when we, and we definitely did, um, kind of check the snowpack. I think, you know, the, um, conditions on our last day were very, very warm and you call it almost isothermic where it, it, you can almost feel water just flowing through the, through the, um, snow and that does become a a bit kind of not super ideal just because it's it's sludgy it's almost like slush um yeah so um yeah i think we pretty much got all conditions um i think there was let's see so the the first ski we did was in marsh creek and that was just at night like we got to camp and we're like we've got a ski super happy we took advantage of that that was kind of firm kind of older snow and but it was really just for the um kind of novelty of skiing like straight down to the river and to be fair especially you know some skiers might see that footage and be like it's actually pretty yeah you you wouldn't want to ski fresh snow in that scenario because it's a bit of a terrain trap skiing into a river because essentially if if the snow were to kind of release in an avalanche there's nowhere for you to go you'd kind of get trapped down there so it was it was scary in it's in its own right um and we definitely kind of didn't ski all the way to the river but then um let's see the next day we ended up kind of doing our main objective which is the same area that the other two parties that grew that group of drew and um and griffin did years prior and then the group right before us there's like an old um clock, or sorry, an old kind of um, fire lookout post that's kind of abandoned, but they would have spent time in there back back in the day um, watching for forest fires. Um, and that's kind of the largest, the biggest peak. It's kind of, if you look on a top of map, that's kind of, you see that that zone makes the most sense. And um, yeah, sure enough, getting up there, epic. That's in the video you'll see some time-lapses and this beautiful Cirque um, you're not allowed to fly drones in that wilderness area and so yeah we I took I take that really seriously um, and yeah I um, so yeah you'll see see that day you're probably thinking like man and like a normal ski movie there would have been like epic drone footage and it could yeah I could have kind of captured it but so we, we just used a long lens and um, shot those guys and and then the third ski was uh, and and that day they got everything from powder and I skied a bunch as well that day but yeah they would have gotten powder on that cirque and then also kind of on the back side of the um, lookout post and then we also got ice and everything um, yeah and then the, and then that last day was yeah when when it gone fully spring mode and the snow was just melting really rapidly <laughs> so at that point we'd had to hike 3,000 meters to get to the snow. Uh, I think we'd all been kind of frothing because we'd passed all these pretty cool little shots and we were like oh man is the skiing over and so then we um, we were kind of camped near the um, Sunflower Hot Springs which is pretty far down the river Um, and Martin sure enough saw in the distance just a little patch of snow and I think at that point we'd all started kind of drinking and we were like oh we're in river mode like let's just let's just chill let's put the ski stuff away and have just have a good river trip and then it was kind of classic drew the other one of the other safety boaters and he's a um, ski patroller at alta um, in utah he he was like i'm only gonna go if you think i can do 30 if i can link 30 turns together or something you know like is it long enough uh, and we're like ah, we'll see and anyway yeah kind of slightly hesitant but we all knew what needed to happen we were like yeah well we're here to float to ski so we're gonna <laughs> hike up um so yeah crew of us had left the camp early that morning hiked up and sure enough yeah it was it was probably just uh, it was probably 50 turns like it was actually it was it was a cool zone Uh, I'm really really happy we went but um yeah after that it was like yeah pack up the ski ski gear and let's just uh float on out of here (laughs)
0: Yeah, I remember that part of the video. I think that's the part where somebody goes, it's a little further than we thought. Um, uh, but uh, at, at the uh, – so you, you transition, you, you put your skis away, and you start into river mode. You said it kind of got high water. Do you know what it was – like an estimate on what it was flowing those last couple days?
1: Um. That was where i was probably should have done a bit more research um with the guys on the trip because they might be listening and be like no ellie it's exactly it was this but um i'd say it was probably close to like five or six feet so hot high water it gets uh, anywhere up to like eight or nine feet is like pretty high um in terms of cfs i'm i'm not actually sure because as, as a guide you just basically gauge it on the on the feet like anything below two feet off the top um, is quite low you're you're kind of reaching kind of low water boating territory um and i think yeah between kind of four four and six feet is a really kind of beautiful cushy cushy period um and that's those are the the weeks when you're guiding in the summer that that are just real nice because you're cruising you're not having to push anywhere it's um yeah, you're just kind of bugging down the water and you're able to bring the um, clients off the top. Whereas, yeah, anything kind of above that, you're breaching high water and below that is just, yeah. So I, it was kind of at that beautiful sweet spot.
0: Once I mean, great timing once again by you guys uh, on this, uh, when you were planning that trip, that's, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if you could ask for better weather, weather the way that it looked on there. Um,
1: yeah, I was just going to say, I don't actually know what that season ended up being like, because I pretty much flew to New Zealand after that trip, flew back to New Zealand after that trip, which was um, kind of a bummer. I was like, I was feeling primed and ready to do another season. Um, and I'll, I'll definitely say like, I I don't think that four years, I always thought like, I'll do four years of guiding and then it'll be enough. And it's, it's kind of on par with ski bombing. Like, <clears throat> you never do enough years. So um, yeah, but I would say that you, we were floating thinking kind of like, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. I, I think we just were pretty, pretty astounded how well we had timed it, but I, I don't think it was as much just good luck as, as we kind of were saying as I think, yeah, it was hats off to kind of those guys who have run that river 50 times now um, Mason, one of the raft guides, he's been rafting since I think I first brought him down the river when he was 16, back when I was guiding, he was, he was young and just still in high school and frothing on it. And um, yeah, he's, you know, 10 years later still doing it. So, yeah.
0: Was, was there anything that any funny stories or any interesting rafting that didn't make the video Um, any, you know, mishaps or, you know, a bag falls off that somebody forgot to tie or something like that, that you, you know, didn't make the final cut, but it's still a pretty good story.
1: Man, ask me maybe about like a year ago when I was in the um, editing room. Um, It was, it was definitely a tough video to edit. I have to say, because we documented everything. Um, I think I pretty much was able to include. Yeah. And so it was hard to figure out how we wanted to like, actually craft it. And I think in the end, Martin, one of the skiers in the video ended up um, narrating it. And that was just like, invaluable. That was really brought it all together. But um, yeah, I think the main thing is I I didn't really get quite enough footage to talk about the ticks. They were so bad. Um, And I, I think we were able to kind of like, I had a few shots, but like, that was the one pretty negative side of of the weather kind of changing is it must've just been prime tick season. And it was pretty nasty. So that first night we camped in the snow is all good. That second day, as I had mentioned, everyone was so hot that they were kind of just ripping off their dry suits and hanging. And it wasn't until the next morning that we started, like maybe someone found a tick on them, but then like we realized it, it just became this like thing for the rest of the trip where you had to like fully I was kind of neurotically fully like taking everything out of my dry bag, making sure nothing was there, putting it back in, still found a tick on my neck like the last day. Like, yeah, it was pretty nasty to be honest. Um, but like also just kind of comical. It's something in New Zealand I've learned about, like, um, you know, you you can be in these like pristine, beautiful wilderness areas, but there's always going to be just something to remind you that, we're human and that like, you know, nothing's perfect. Um, so in New Zealand, you've got the sand flies. If you've been here and spent time on the South Island, <laughs> you'll know what I'm talking about. But, um, yeah, like even, um, Captain Cook, who kind of wrote about New Zealand back, back in the day, um, he wrote about the sand flies. Like it's, there's these little things that are just, uh, they're, yeah, they're, um, distant relatives of the black fly that, or the black yeah, the black fly that you'd get probably down south. You definitely have them in Vermont. But yeah, so the ticks were nasty. Um, and then the other kind of thing that explains, I don't know, I wasn't, the, the thing about the Middle Fork is back in the day when we started dreaming about this trip. And to be honest, in some ways, I probably got into filmmaking because of this trip. Um, way back when I studied art, and then when I was raft, but like sculpture and painting, kind of more physical um, art making. And when I started raft guiding, a friend of mine early on was like, oh, you should start carrying a camera because like I was complaining that I like just didn't have the time or space to do art anymore since graduating college. And um, yeah, greatest advice ever. Cause I was always a little bit intimidated to get a camera but I was like, yeah, well I'm out here, I might as well. And, started filming on the Middle Fork um, but at the time it was like fully illegal to, to shoot video at all on the Middle Fork. Um, the Forest Service had some rules and regulations that shortly thereafter were amended so now we're at this point where um, it's almost impossible to get a commercial filming permit so you're still not going to see Like Hollywood films shot in the Middle Fork, it's just I don't think it'll ever happen. Um, But they've kind of switched the rules, so you are allowed to film video, um, not drone, but regular video for personal use. Um, So that's kind of held this film back a little bit. From like I did really wanted to put kind of a bit more into it and um, try to submit it to all the film festivals, but. I just there was a lot of red tape going into this video, and um, and that was like months of Mally and I back and forth. Like, oh, is this going to happen? Oh, we can't have sponsors because it can't. Nothing can be for profit, um, and that includes yeah, getting any sort of sponsorship support. So this was pretty much our own trip, um, aside from kind of our personal support that we had. Um, and it also meant that I was only able to distribute it to um, not-for-profit film festivals. So yeah, it lives online, um, but that was, yeah, that was a kind of an aspect of the film that was quite difficult. Yeah, that was probably the toughest part. So less funny and more just like a uh, good learning experience and, um, and figuring out how to play by the rules and um, and document a place that I think ultimately the video is only kind of, Helping promote this pristine area. Um, but yeah, definitely that was a hard, that was a, a tough part of it.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask uh, about that because it is a, I mean, you guys did a great job. It's like a really well made, um, YouTube video, like it's like like for for YouTube, I was like, this is actually like this is really good. It's it's very well filmed. It's it's edited well. Uh, like you said, the uh, the narrator does a great job of you know just talking through it. And um, I saw that it had the New Zealand thing on it um, when you click on it on YouTube now. So I just assumed that was the only one you submitted it to. But I was wondering like how come. I hadn't seen this more on like, like, like air or something like that. I think they posted on their story, but like, they didn't really like, there was no really, Hey, go check out this great film. Or uh, it was just kind of.
1: Yeah. Out there, so that, that was a, that was a bit of a tricky one. Just, yeah. I mean, probably, yeah, with air and astral and some of the other companies that we worked, that we just use their gear um they totally I guess they could have I mean so it was a bit of a like I think because I had no funding it it ended up being this saga of a passion project where I was like I I was editing it kind of in my off time because yeah it's not my it wasn't obviously a full-time job or anything um and it took a long time so um what was it astral had um originally promoted our trailer which had some drone footage of the put-in um where technically we thought it was all so it's all good to fly the drone from the road on either end um but we were we were mistaken we thought we could also fly the drone on in marsh creek um because it was technically out of the wilderness area and we had an area we just we were totally kind of mistaken so I ended up having to have Everyone we took that trailer off and I got, took that footage out. no worries. Um, and yeah. And so by the time we got around to finally I finished the film last year, basically with the deadline of I wanted to get it into the New Zealand Mountain Film Festival. Um, yeah, I kind of at that point, the distribution plan was a little bit loose. Um, and I just I was a little bit wary to like how hard do we want to promote this movie like, you know, I think probably my favorite comment on YouTube is like, um, "Why doesn't this video have more views? Uh, this deserves more views." Um, and I think that, like, that was probably tickled tickled me the most. I was like, "Yeah, I feel like this movie's legit. It's awesome." But I think with the red tape and that interaction that I'd had a year and a half ago, I was kind of like, "Eh, if people find it, they find it." Um, it was just in the backcountry mountain. backcountry film festival um, based out of utah but it's that's um circulating and uh, a bunch of my friends have reached out that they saw it there and um yeah i kind of there i think there's another non-profit film festival in boise that um must have their applications open now actually so i might submit it to that and um but for the most part yeah just stoked like for instance that you reached out and i can talk about it and um, hopefully direct your channel at least to watch it. And it'll just be kind of a, a grassroots YouTube video that lives there for, for the rest of its life.
0: That's awesome. Um, I have my last question about the river is uh, for someone who's never done the middle fork, what is your favorite rapid on the middle fork? Do you have a favorite one, or do you have a couple of favorite ones that you can, uh, you know, if, if I ever win that permit, do I, what do I put a star beside?
1: Um, I, you know, the beauty of the middle fork compared to even the main salmon that it flows into is that it's basically a Creek river. It's a Creek boating river. Um, which means the first 25 miles are almost continuous rapids. Um, and it's just so cool to bring a raft down that river because I think um, coming from the kayaking perspective, initially, like it, it's a really fun kayaking river, um, but rafting it kind of is this whole other world, especially with an oar rig of just like real technical creek boating, but in a raft. Um, and I, I way prefer running a, um, 18 foot raft off the top from boundary down the river than than a hard shell at this point like it's just it's so fun um so it's hard for me to say specifically one rapid i think there's you know there's some of the bigger ones like at high water um weber rapid or um house rock some of those um are cool because they're just big water like that high water they're they're pretty intimidating you come around the corner with house house rock and it's you got to know the river like yeah and having experienced that river at all levels you kind of then you finally see oh that rock that that creates that hole or oh I've I've helped pull the, the sweet boat off that far river left rock I don't know how he got there um kind of thing but yeah I think I think it's just generally the technical top 25, um, miles that just hold a special place in my heart. Cause as well as, you know, running it with clients, like I said, when, when the river gets kind of below like 1.8 feet, something like that. Um, I'm a little rusty with kind of my remembering exactly when, but, um, companies will start flying their clients into, um, down to the, um, the Indian Creek um I'm hoping I get that right anyway they they fly their um clients down 25 miles to that airstrip there and then actually the raft guides spend two days deadheading um floating kind of the empty boats so they essentially get a two-day kind of private trip going into the the guided trip um and I've had just some of the best times of my life (laughs) in that in that area (laughs) deadheading so
0: that's awesome. Uh, I didn't really, you'll never hear like rapids name. So I was kind of expecting something like that. Um, Cause there's no like, you know, pillow rock or like, I never when out here the, the middle fork. I never hear somebody be like, Oh, you have to check out this rapid. It's just like somebody talking about the whole river.
1: Yeah. Since it's permitted, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a totally different experience to the grand Canyon. I think that's what's crazy is like, I've I've done the Grand Canyon twice now too. And both are just like kind of life-changing portal type experiences, but like in a different way. So like, yeah, with the Middle Fork, it's a six-ish day trip. I think you can float for up to eight days on your permit. Um, and yeah, you're just fully removed, like no cell phones, no roads, there's plain access um, and you, you'll see pack horses and you'll see old kind of historical buildings but it's it's full wild west and um, and it, it is totally about that full experience whereas the Grand Canyon since it's such big water you do have that pool drop pool formation so you you'll have those memorable yeah crystal and the, the big the big rapids especially depending on what flow um, yeah. I was just thinking it's funny though. Like any, every raft guide, like literally get to the point I've only run it, like I said, 20 times, which I say only because that's like almost just, that's like two full seasons for a guide. Like generally, you know, on a good season, you'll do 10, 10, 12 trips. That'd be a big season. But um, yeah, I, uh, I still feel like I know every, every bend of that river. Like it's, it's crazy to have such an intimate, knowledge of a river um of a hundred mile river but yeah mason he's got his favorite tree on the river (laughs) which is just below um big creek where you're kind of finally in the starting to get into the impassable canyon and uh yeah there's just some pine tree that he loves and it's i just like that's like the classic thing is maybe less so about the rapids and more so about like oh that's my favorite tree right there you know
0: yeah that's I mean, that's awesome. The, uh, it sounds like just an amazing experience that, you know, hopefully every rafter who or kayaker that, that wants to get out on the river gets a chance at some point in their life. Uh, and then to change topics a little bit and by a little bit, I mean like thousands and thousands of miles, uh, what's going on in New Zealand. It sounds like you've been there for a while or you've kind of come back and forth and, um, what kind of cool rivers are there down there
1: yeah i um first came to new zealand five years ago now um on a this is actually a work trip with armada skis we were we came down as a last minute um i wasn't even an athlete for them but um had been kind of chatting and and kind of got this crazy call and they're like oh yeah like how how would you feel about you and two other girls going to temple basin in on the south island of new zealand for a like a photo shoot and i was just like um yeah pretty pretty beside myself um i mean to be fair it was kind of like it's crazy but five years ago even still the the early days of kind of content creation so um we went as both i went both as a filmer and an athlete and um yeah the other the other girls kind of we had a photographer and so we we're all kind of just running the show it was it was pretty low budget ultimately um hopefully they got some photos out of it but um yeah we went up to temple basin which i've pretty much now met my entire extended family community of friends in new zealand through temple basin it's like i've got to give a shout out to it's the greatest ski resort as far as I'm concerned, maybe in the world. It's real special place. It's only um there's just three rope toes. You've got to hike 45 minutes to get up to the lodge. Um and it's just your, your classic New Zealand kind of club ski field um experience. It's not like a commercial resort. Um so it's it's basically a nonprofit ski field. Um in Arthur's Pass National Park. So it's it's in the Southern Alps. Um, So kind of on par with, yeah, national park in in the States, Uh, a lot of regulations, the lodge and the rope toes have been grandfathered in. So you can't add more development, but you can upkeep that. And um, just some of the most epic terrain kind of surrounding you, like big mountain, like hard out, really um, impressive terrain. So anyway, did that. And then, yeah, kind of went home and had a full kind of life transition. yeah, kind of left my life in, in Jackson, Wyoming behind in some ways. Um, lo- love Jackson, miss it. I definitely, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a void in my life, kind of miss that life, but um, I don't know, I saw it as a as a cool, just change, exciting opportunity, and then, um, yeah, I've been, I've got a, my partner's from New Zealand, so I was able to get residency through him, and um yeah, we we actually hit it off met at Temple Basin um and hit it off because we're both into kayaking. So, I think it's the love of of rivers that um that made us really realize we yeah, I was like I don't know, it's I think the river community is it's big in some ways, but like it's dwindle, especially like whitewater kayaking scene is pretty small all things considered. Um a lot bigger here in New Zealand like kayaking here is pretty world-renowned um but yeah it was it was pretty cool It was like oh oh you like kayaking oh yeah I like kayaking and um skiing and all that so um yeah I've been living in Sumner Sumner Christchurch it's like a little beach town um just outside of Christchurch um on the South Island for on and off like three years almost full-time now um and Yeah, I was going to, I was going to go through a list of all the rivers I've run, but yeah, there's actually a fair amount. Um, the Clarence river I did a couple years ago, and that's kind of the iconic rafting, um, overnight trip. Um, and we're talking about maybe trying to do that over Easter again. Um, just so fun and, and it's pretty cool. I've, we're part of the whitewater club here and there is an orb or raft rig. Um, and I think I'm one of the only, I'm definitely, over skilled, like we took that um boat down the Waimakariri, Waimakari. Uh, we just call it the Waimak. um over exactly a year ago, actually, over my my boyfriend's a leap year baby. So we celebrated his birthday last year on the river. And it's just a mellow river just out, out of town, but you can turn it into a two-day and like we brought a keg down the river and stuff. Um, but it was crazy. I'm like the only one running the oar rig, and everyone was just like, "Oh my! Like, how do you learn how to do that?" And it was kind <laughs> of, yeah, homage, homage to my years of raft guiding. Like, <laughs> you don't just kind of learn how to run an oar rig. Um, and yeah, there's the Buller, the Buller River um, over kind of Murchison Way is a really um, famous kayaking spot um you've got a bunch of rivers around there but the buller is a big one that flows all the way to the um to the west coast um and we've t- talked about doing a source to sea expedition on that which would be epic that would be multiple days and, and you'd bring a raft down that for sure um and yeah just just actually got off um <clears throat> the um what am i yeah, well we just did a, a massive pack rafting mission um and now i'm like totally spacing them why toto sorry i was spacing the name um yeah so that's the big one is um is pack rafting is kind of exploding i don't know yeah if yeah. if you've kind of seen that explode down where you are um but yeah so it's pretty ideal for new zealand i think there's a bit of a thing going on where I think um, a lot of um, hikers, trampers here are realizing like it's a, a cool way to float out of a hike. Um, so the danger there, I just was chatting with a friend yesterday, is is that these people maybe don't have river skills um, and don't recognize that like you shouldn't run rivers alone. You you know you should definitely take a whitewater course rescue all that stuff, which I've got like years of that experience now. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, for the experienced whitewater runners, like there's this pro kayaker here, Barney Young, who is, you know, doing massive, massive runs in his um, pack raft, because he's he's a grade five hard shell boater. So, um, but yeah, the Waiatoto, that was epic. So we hiked in from basically just outside of Wanaka, um, which is a pretty fa- famous kind of outdoors town in, in New Zealand. Hiked up and over Pearson Saddle, and then basically that's where the great, the, the main divide is. And then we hiked down into the Waiatoto, which drains out to the west coast. So it was, it was basically a kind of uh, my first real like coast to coast traverse experience. And yeah, the Waiatoto is gnarly. <laughs> so I, yeah, I swam a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> portaged a lot of it um but forrest my partner um was a, he ran every rapid so it was yeah a lot a lot of boating to be had
0: <laughs> yeah i um i'm gonna go back and listen to this uh, episode and make a list of whenever the world's normal and we can travel but i'm gonna look up all those rivers but and pack rafting doesn't like i've seen how it's getting bigger in the states it hasn't really made it to like the southeast as much because most of our rivers are like by roads and you just run them. Uh there's not as much like hiking to a river. But I have seen on like Instagram that like up in the Pacific Northwest, it's definitely making like waves over here in, in the States. Um, but yeah, I'm just gonna write down all those rivers you just talked about as my dream.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, there's and then there's like the there's the big rafting rivers up on the north island um i to be honest probably took a bit of a hiatus from like running you know i used to even be a kayak instructor and yeah would spend summers on rivers spent countless days of my life sleeping under the stars on a river but um new zealand it can be it can be a bit bit of a mission and um to get into these rivers so the the, um, pack rafting making it easier but otherwise it's pretty common to do heli boating or um god we've got one friend that like notoriously carries his 60 pound you know creek boat 25 35 k kilometers like up a river just to run it so that's i think the big one is like the pack rafting replaces that suffer fest um but i'd absolutely love to go up north um there we just this weekend we're missing out on it just because of travel but our friends are gonna run the um the wanganui river which on the north island kind of notoriously was um officially is has been recognized as a living human being um the local modi um communities um locals around there yeah they they respect that river a lot it's kind of the lifeblood of of that area so um and that's just like Mellow, like you'd bring a canoe down that river. Um, But yeah, that's this country is like 80% runoff of hydroelectricity. And um, there is just so much water here. Like even when we did that traverse into the Waiatoto, it's like you never have to even carry a water bottle. I mean, you'd have to carry a full water bottle because there's just so much coming off the mountains, Um, there's glaciers everywhere though sadly they are receding like a lot of, like the rest of the world, but um, yeah. And really kind of endless amount of rivers. So it's, it's exciting. The, the one um, kind of COVID reminder though is um, we're kind of living in our own bubble here. Um, early on the government decided to just shut our borders. Um, and so we had a, a quarantine lockdown uh basically this time last year when everyone kind of went into it and then kind of miraculously we've kind of eradicated covid like yeah like Auckland went into like a bit of a lockdown last week because there was a, a school a, a woman who was a cleaner in one of the quarantine hotels and she got covid and then now like 15 people from the school got covid so it's it's still here um but yeah we we can't travel and Our good friend who lives in Bozeman, Montana, just pulled a Middle Fork permit for this summer, and he emailed us. Uh, He's also engaged, and I've always thought Middle Fork would be the ideal bachelor, bachelorette party (laughs) river, so you could do, like, proper pirating, you know, commandeering and stealing rafts and stuff. Um, So, yeah, that's the reality is, like, we won't get to do that trip, which is pretty huge bummer uh and yeah bring it back to the metal fork that that river is kind of dear to my heart so hopefully one day soon i'll get back on the river but yeah
0: all right well ali i really appreciate you having or or coming on our podcast uh do you have anybody that you'd like to give a shout out to or you know any your youtube page i'm gonna have float to ski the link to that in the show notes. Um, but anything else you want to give a shout out to?
1: Um, I mean, I mentioned the whole crew kind of earlier, but yeah, shout out to, um, everyone else on the trip. So Mally, um, LG for filming, Mary for, uh, being the photographer. Um, we had Drew and Ryan as the other safety boaters, um, and, and Ryan extra shout out for dagger falls. The, the rapid we portaged, um, and yeah, we've got Mike and Mason, fellow raft guides, and um, and I can't forget Martin as well, um, who was um, the the lovely narrator and mastermind behind writing that narration. Um, yeah, and on top of that, um, we did have some awesome um, um air and astral and chums USA. Um, and, uh, and Mackie Wilderness River Trips. So yeah, I mean, it was pretty, pretty much a dream come true for, for all of us to do it. And uh, it's even more now got the, the movie on YouTube to, to remind us. And just um, to, to everyone who, who watches the video and, um, and especially cheers to everyone who loves running rivers because it's pretty special.
0: And we'll, we'll get this out soon and, and uh, stay safe and tip your guide.